Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Does suffering have any point? Does suffering have any point? Here's three examples to, for you to consider. It's estimated that one out of every 400,000 babies will be born with a rare genetic disease called dysautonomia. Victims are unable to feel pain and usually die early. Some athletes have their careers altered because they take drugs to dull pain instead of discovering and treating the source of the problem. Or think about leprosy, otherwise known as Hansen's disease. Those afflicted with leprosy don't feel pain due to their nerve endings being destroyed. And the result is infection and death. All because they could not feel pain. In this broken world, pain and suffering sometimes serve a useful purpose. Well, this morning's gospel reading is about the glory that is hidden in suffering. Andrew and Philip came to tell Jesus that there were some Greeks who wanted to see him. They were foreigners who found Israel's God and religion attractive. They probably heard about the miracle that Jesus had just done by raising Lazarus, which we heard last week. But instead of saying, great, bring them here, I'll talk to them, Jesus declares that if he is lifted up from the earth, that he will draw all people to himself. What does he mean? In other words, if the Greeks want to see him, if they want to benefit from him, Jesus' proper response to their request is to go to the cross and be executed. If you want to see Jesus, look at the cross. The crowds, of course, they don't agree with Jesus. This language of suffering was not the sort of talk they'd associate with Messiahs. They'd suffered enough at the hands of the Romans. They think that the Messiah should be telling them to sharpen their swords and help them repel the Roman occupiers. They want the glory of this world. The glory of battle, fortune, prosperity to be recognized. Suffering and death just don't fit into the way they see the world. Jesus says that his hour had come. And was he proud that he got to this point? No, no, I don't think so. Was he exhilarated? Maybe, but that's not the first thing that John says. Was he ready to meet this hour with head held high? Yes, eventually, but that's still not what John says. Jesus says 
Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, for this purpose I have come to this hour. Did you hear it? Troubled. Yes, the God that had become flesh, the the one in whom the Father's own love and power were truly seen, the one who healed the sick and turned water into wine. The opened, he opened the blo- uh, eyes of blind people and raised Lazarus to life. That God in the flesh was troubled. Consider, God was deeply troubled. Troubled right down to his heart. Is your picture of God big enough for that? Or when God speaks, do you think it's just thundering? Jesus was, after all, word become flesh, human flesh. Flesh that shrank from suffering as we all might. His natural instinct as a flesh and blood man was to say, the time has arrived, and is there any way I can get out of this? But, but, Jesus was totally committed to doing whatever was necessary to bring his Father glory. He knows that sliding safely past suffering will not let God's glory shine out to the world. Suffering and the cross are the only way for the world to be rescued. That's how God, the true God, the God of astonishing, generous love would be glorified. Swords don't glorify the Creator God. Love does. The self-giving love of Jesus Christ, best of all. God will save the world through the suffering and death of Jesus. Jesus' death will be like sowing a seed into the ground. It will look like a defeat, a tragedy. But in fact, it will be a triumph for This purpose I have come to this hour, Jesus said. Jesus was born so that he would suffer and die for you. In his incarnation, Jesus Christ joins our humanity. The sinless Jesus stands in the place of us sinners. He lived, his life was lived perfectly, always loving his father. Always loving his neighbor. Always self-sacrificing. Always denying himself. The evil of the cross is the good of your salvation. That miscarriage of Roman justice is God's justice upon the sins of the world. The rejection of Christ is God's reconciliation to the world. The innocent victim is the sacrificial lamb who takes away your sins. The triumph is in Jesus' self-giving love. A love that looks death in the face and defeats it by meeting it head on. And on behalf, not just of Israel, but on behalf of the world. Yes, on behalf of you and I. And we're not excluded from suffering either. 
Jesus said, He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. He tells his disciples about plants and seeds, about life and death, about servants and masters. If we, if we really want to see Jesus, to get to know him, to understand what he's all about, then we have to look at the cross. We have to be ready to be planted in the same way. Lutheran pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who suffered greatly at the hands of the Nazis, wrote, When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. The glory of God is attained through the cross and death. And this is true not only of the Savior, but also of us Christians. As it is with Jesus, so it is with all who follow him. Death and resurrection are the only way. To live, we must die. Not just once, but every single day. Dying and rising is the way of life for Christians. Unless the grain of wheat dies and is buried in the ground, it cannot bear fruit. You can't hold on to the grain. You have to let it go and bury it. We understand this about wheat seeds and other seeds. Why don't we understand this about ourselves? Christianity involves death, dying to what you want, drowning your sinful desires beneath the waters of your baptism, choosing to submit rather than to assert yourself. To be a kernel of wheat in the ground is to give up all that you are, all that you're aspiring to be, and to leave yourself utterly at the mercy of God. It's to rest in the damp soil of God's goodness, to receive everything from God as if it were the gift that it truly is. Now, this is not a popular message. It wasn't then, and it isn't now. When we are faced with suffering, we need to drop our preconceived notions of how we think God is going to deal with us and put the cross of Christ right at the center. When we see disaster or tragedy, senseless suffering, large-scale loss of life, we are prone to ask, where is God? Why doesn't he do something? Where is God during this coronavirus epidemic? Why doesn't he do something about this virus? Isn't that exactly what many are thinking? Maybe you've thought it. But people, people want God to send in the tanks. They want God to dramatically and suddenly rescue them. When people start to suffer, they want God to do wonders for them. In Jesus' day, that same attitude was behind the expectations that the Messiah would send in the tanks and overthrow the Romans. God does not send in the tanks. But he has done something. God himself in Jesus 
came among us. He lived with us. He suffered with us. He grieved and mourned with us. And then he suffered and died for us. Why doesn't God do something? The cross is where God has done something. It is there, upon the cross of Jesus, where we see God. The God who declares that he is for us, even in the midst of our suffering. The cross shows us that God hides life in death, victory in defeat. God displays his power in our weakness. He buries his divinity deep in our humanity, and then he suffers, dies, and rises to save us. God is glorified the most when Jesus is put to shame. This is the God who is present, yet hidden, in, with, and under creation as the incarnate word. And that incarnate God embraces our suffering and death in his own death upon the cross. The God who we believe in is the kind of God who can take the worst things and transform them into his own glory and for our good. God knows the pain and the suffering of the world. He knows your pain and suffering. And in Christ, God shares in our grief and our sorrow. He calls a community of fellow Christians together to share and lament with us as we suffer. God doesn't send in the tanks because he sent you. Why doesn't God do something? The question is actually, why aren't you doing something about it? God has sent us into the world as Christians, little Christs, to be like Jesus, to grieve with those who grieve, to suffer alongside the suffering, to be friends with the friendless, to remind the lonely that they're not alone. He sends us to share God's word, which reveals that God suffers for us and with us, and that in Jesus Christ, this world has been set right again. The point is that the glory of God is hidden in the suffering and death of the cross. That, sorry, what is the purpose of our suffering? In the weakness of suffering, we finally come to see our need for God, our need for his forgiveness and help. When faced with the loss of control, we see that we cannot solve all of our problems in our life. We need help to deal with our sin. We need help to deal with our suffering. We need to learn patience and trust. We need to learn to stop trusting ourselves and start trusting in God. Here, hidden in your suffering, God reveals himself. Through the suffering of Christ, we finally understand that God is the one who deals with our sin, deals with our suffering. That's how God, the true God, is glorified. 
God saved the world through the suffering and death of Jesus Christ. And that means we can be confident in God's promise to save us through our suffering. He continues to be with us through our own sufferings. He's with us continually with his word and promises. He's with us with our fellow Christians who come alongside us. He grieves with us. He suffers alongside us. Under the cross, we realize that God has not left us alone. God helps you to bear patiently, even embrace suffering and death. Because Christ, by his suffering and death, embraced you. And may that peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at iCloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.